You are now listening to The Last Day's Return of the Historic Faith with your host, Pastor Jeremy Anderson and Brother Matthew Marcel. This podcast is for the kingdom Christian in the end times. As aliens in a foreign land and ambassadors of our king, we proudly fly the flag with the cross as we sing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. and sisters and welcome to another episode of Return of the Historic Faith. I am your host today, Pastor Jeremy Anderson, and today's episode is one I am doing 
for several reasons. There, I, I've covered this specific subject, um, or at least aspects of this subject at different times throughout my ministry, um, and also I did a series on the core aspect of today's subject on the Remnant Report that actually spanned through 2019 through 2020, and the subject that we are going to be discussing today is the New Covenant and the transformation of Israel in the New Covenant. And this will probably be a subject that will take a couple of episodes, maybe several episodes to cover everything because there's there's actually a lot of different aspects that we need to look at to answer the questions that need to be answered. The reason why I am doing this specific study at this point in time is because I've seen a lot of people both on Facebook and also other social media platforms speaking about this and I'm supposed to be having a um, a conference call, a Zoom chat with a friend of mine uh, hopefully uh, this week, if not this week then as soon as we can both make time to get together about this subject and the reason for that is uh, my friend is um, he's ethnically Jewish and he and I have a difference of opinion on uh, God's I want to make sure I put this exactly right. A difference of opinion on what God's people were chosen for, what God chose the people of Israel for, um, what the new covenant um, with the house of Israel and the house of Judah did and did not do in regards of say the nation of Israel the physical nation of Israel or the physical Jewish people and the Gentiles um, what did and did not change as far as Israel and the church what Role there is between Israel and the church. Um, you know, am the things I saying are they um, replacement theology type things or is it something 
completely different. And the most important thing is what I believe, what I have taught, and what I'm going to say today, is it biblically sound? Is it the truth? Because you can't have but one truth. There can't be, you know, different truths or, you know, (laughs) more than one truth. You only have what's true and what isn't. And I think that you guys will see that what I am going to uh, show you all from the Word of God in this study is the only truth there is as far as um, Israel is concerned and who God's chosen people are. And the Old Covenant nation of Israel versus the new covenant kingdom of Israel. And I'm not going to waste any more time, um, you know, saying anything about what we're going to be talking about today. I'm just going to go ahead and dive right into today's subject. I hope that the sound quality is going okay and that Um, There's no static or popping in the microphone. Um, I noticed some of that the last episode that I recorded. So I hope that's not happening because I really don't want to have to re-record this. Um, If there is any static, I may um, add some background music to try and um, fix it and uh, drown any of that out. But we're going to start off today looking at the reason for the the reason God chose anybody, the reason God chose any people. What were they chosen for? Why were they chosen? And what happened before there was a chosen people? And we're going to start with looking at the beginning, the way people and the world was in the beginning. And we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3. And if you have your Bibles, as always, read along with me and make sure that what I am saying is accurate. Genesis chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat. And gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. 
And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou should not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. We're going to stop right there for a minute to point out a few things. In Genesis chapters 1 and 2, we have the creation account and we see that before Genesis chapter 3 that mankind was neither Jew nor Gentile they were just God's creation and they were God's perfect creation when God created all the animals and the trees and all of the rest of his creation, every time he finished creating them, he would always say that it was good. But after God created man, he didn't say that it was good. Instead, God said that it was very good. And then, of course, when God created woman, he took a rib from Adam and literally created woman from the man. And they were both very good. They were not yet fallen. They, we see here in Genesis chapter 2 and 3 that Mankind had direct access and communion with God. He was able to walk and talk with God. He had not yet been separated from God because there was no sin in man and woman's life to separate them from God because God cannot anything that is fallen anything unholy anything that is evil or wicked cannot be in the presence of God the consuming fire of God will consume it and we well, if we have time, we will look at this aspect later on in another, probably another episode. I doubt we'll have time today. But here in Genesis 3, 
All of that changed. The serpent beguiled Eve and she ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that God had specifically commanded to Adam and Eve not to eat from because the day they did, from that day forward, death would enter into their lives because of the sin that they committed. And that's exactly what happened. They disobeyed God. They ate the fruit. They sinned. And they fell. And because of that fall, we're going to see what happened. Because it is the direct result of this event that the nation of Israel, the people of Israel were chosen for. It was this event that created the reason for the need of a people to be chosen. And we're going to see here in just a minute what that reason they would be chosen for was. We all know that, you know, the children of Israel were God's chosen people, but I think a lot of times we get so used to saying that word, God's chosen people, they were chosen, they were chosen, that we don't take the time to stop and think, well, what were they chosen for? Why were they chosen? So that's something that we are going to look at now in just a minute. But first, we're going to go back into the text here in Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to pick back up in verse 14. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, right there, we have a very important prophecy, and in fact, the very first prophecy ever. This is the very first prophecy of the coming of Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus Christ is the seed of the woman. And we will actually see throughout this study that it was this reason, this seed, that God chose a people for himself to be born out of. He chose a people out of the nations for this seed, the seed of the woman, 
the Messiah to be born out of. So, what they were chosen for was, and and there's more to it than this that we're going to see here later on, but the main reason that the people, the 12 tribes of Israel were chosen for was so the Messiah could be born into this world out of. Now, there, the Messiah is a descendant of only one of the 12 tribes. Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. So, if Judah is the tribe that the Messiah was born out of, then why were there 11 more tribes? Well, the reason for that has to do with the promises that God made to Abraham and the promises that God made to Jacob or Israel. And God keeps his promises. We're going to see the covenant that was made here in a little while, the Mosaic covenant that was made at Mount Sinai. We're going to see all the aspects of it because the type of covenant that it was has a great deal to do with why a new covenant was made. And it also has a lot of bearing on um, you know God's chosen people, who they are, who they were, but to keep things short and to stay on track, I'm just going to say this for right now. God could have chosen any people. He could have chosen anyone to bring the Messiah out of. And we will see when we look in the book of Hebrews that it was righteousness, righteousness that caused God to choose Abraham to make his covenant with and to make a great nation out of that would eventually bring forth the Messiah, the seed of the woman. So righteousness is the reason for the covenant or the excuse me not the reason for the covenant the reason that people was chosen Abraham's righteousness is the reason God chose him out of the nations Abraham's righteousness and I wish we had time to look at every single aspect of this but we don't so for time's sake, I'm just going to continue on because we're going to be looking at quite a few scriptures today. Now, 
it says here that um, we're going to go back to the text and it says in the Lord God said wait a minute here we go and unto the woman he said I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children and thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee and unto Adam he said because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee saying thou shalt not eat of it cursed is the ground for thy sake in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life now that's pretty much all we're going to look at in this specific chapter of Genesis um, except for I want to read really quick the last verse in chapter 3 it says well actually the last three verses verse 22 and the Lord God said behold the man has become as one of us knowing good and evil and now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever therefore the Lord God sent him forth out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken so he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life so that is the initial fall of mankind before this happened before the fall mankind had communion with God and they were perfect and because of their sin they fell and in order to rectify this sin as we're going to see later God prophesied in Genesis 3 here the coming seed of the woman which we'll see is the Messiah his son Jesus Christ our Lord the reason Jesus came was there were more than just this reason but the reason Jesus came was to reconcile was it reconcile the Jews the ethnic Jews from the 12 tribes back to God no it was to reconcile all mankind back to God and that's important as we're gonna see later but now we're gonna go to Genesis chapter 12 we're going to look at an aspect of this that many, many in the Christian community, the Christian churches, especially Christian Zionism and dispensationalism, um, deceive people about. You see, um, there is so many people who believe that if you bless Israel and we're talking about the geopolitical nation of Israel in the Middle East then God will bless you if you curse Israel 
then God will curse you. And the reason they believe that is because of what we're fixing to read in Genesis chapter 12. But I think that you'll be surprised to see that the promise that God made about I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you was made to a Gentile. It was not made to the children of Israel because Jacob was not even thought of, much less born, when God made this promise. He made it to a Gentile. Now, in Genesis chapter 12, let's see, we're going to start in verse 1. Now the Lord God had said unto Abram, notice, the covenant had not been made even with him yet. His name was Abram. He was a Gentile. Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee. And I will make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, singular. And I will curse them that curseth thee, singular. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So, the promise of blessings and curses was made to Abram. Not even Abraham. Abram. That promise was made to a Gentile. And not the Mosaic Covenant, but the original covenant, the Abrahamic Covenant, was made with Abraham, not with the nation of Israel. It was the Mosaic Covenant that was made with the nation of Israel. Now, we're going to go now, and we're going to look at Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. But before we go to Exodus 19, we're the reason we're going there is to um, look to begin looking at the old covenant that was made with Israel, the the Old Testament nation of Israel. But before we do, I want to look at the biblical definition of what a covenant is. You know, since we're talking about the new covenant and we're looking at the old covenant and the differences between the two, it would serve us very well to understand exactly what the Bible means by the term covenant. A covenant is an agreement, and usually it's between two parties, and in the ancient Near East, it was a, a kind of treaty by means of which rulers entered into a covenant relationship 
with their subjects. There are certain similarities in, in style between these secular covenants and the biblical covenants, but the content is definitely different. Some covenants were bilateral in that there were obligations and commitments for both sides, and we see this type of covenant between Abraham and Abimelech. Um, in Genesis uh, 21, 27, and 32, we see that marriage is described as a bilateral covenant. Um, we can actually... I think Abraham... I wrote that down. Sorry, guys. I wrote my notes down wrong. Um, Abraham and Abimelech. The covenant between Abraham and Abimelech is in Genesis 21, 27, and 32. But marriage is described as a bilateral covenant in the book of Malachi, chapter 2, verse 14. And both, both husband and wife make covenant promises and they are obligated to keep those promises. The uh, Mosaic Covenant was also um, bilateral. It was bilateral and it was a conditional covenant. And this is important. This is important. Um, and that is uh, something that we're going to see when we look in the book of Exodus, chapter 19. Um, as a matter of fact, we can uh, go ahead and look at Exodus 19 um, really quick. We'll look at Exodus 19.5 where it says, And now, if you will diligently listen to me and keep my covenant, then you will be my special possession out of all the nations for all the earth is mine. Now therefore if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people for all the earth is mine. That's the King James Version which is what I would rather read out of. That's why I read the same verse twice. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. So, we see that the covenant that God made at Sinai between himself and the children of Israel was a bilateral covenant, a conditional covenant, and it was a covenant that both parties had promises that they were obligated to keep. Now, 
we're gonna look at God's promised blessings when his people kept his covenant as well as his promise cursing when they disregarded it. And we're going to see that this was indeed a conditional covenant as well as a bilateral covenant. And we're going to go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter... 28, and we're going to begin with verse 1, and it says, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I commanded thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee, and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shalt thou be, blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of the ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shall shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way, and flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand unto, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee a holy people unto himself, as he hath sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways." And the people, and all the people of the earth, shall see that the Lord, that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods, in the fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle, and the fruit of thy ground, and the land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers to give thee. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto thy land in his season, and to bless all the work of thy hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail, and and thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. If that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I commanded thee this day, to observe and to do them. And thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day, to the right or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not 
Hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe all his commandments and his statutes which I commanded thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Curses shall be in the city, and curses shall be in the field. Curses shall be in thy basket and thy store. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy land. The increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. Cursed shall be shall thou be when thou comest in, and cursed shall thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation, and rebuke, and all that thou settest thine hand unto for to do, until thou be destroyed, and until thou perish quickly, because of the wickedness of thy doings. Whereby thou hast forsaken me. The Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee until he have consumed thee from off the land, whither thou goest to possess it. The Lord shall smite thee with a consumption, and with a fever, and an inflammation, and with an extreme burning, and with the sword, and blasting, and with mildew, and they shall pursue thee unto thou perish. And thy heaven that is over thy head shall be brass, and the earth that is under thy feet shall be iron. The Lord shall make the rain of the land powder and dust. From heaven shall it come down upon thee until thou be destroyed. The Lord shall cause thee to be smitten before thine enemies. Thou shalt go out one way against them, and thou shalt flee from them seven ways and shalt be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth. And thy carcass shall be meat unto all fowls of the air, and unto the beast of the earth, and no man shall fray them away. The Lord will smite thee with the botch of Egypt, and with the emeralds, and with the scab, and with the itch, whereof thou canst not be healed. The Lord shall smite thee with madness and blindness, and astonishment of heart, and thou shalt grope at noonday as the blind gropeth in darkness, and thou shalt not prosper in thy ways, and thou shalt be only oppressed and spoiled for evermore, and no man shall save thee. Thou shalt betroth a wife, and another man shall lie with her. Thou shalt build a house, and thou shalt not dwell therein. Thou shalt plant a vineyard, and shalt not gather the grapes thereof. Thine ox shall be slain before thine eyes, and thou shalt not eat thereof. Thine ass shall be violently taken away from before thy face, and shall not be restored to thee. Thy sheep shall be given unto thine enemies, and thou shalt have none to rescue them. Thy sons and thy daughters shall be given unto another people. And thine eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all the day long. And there shall be no might in thine hand. The fruit of thy land and all thy labors shall a nation which thou knowest not eat up. And thou shalt be only oppressed and crushed always. So that thou shalt be mad for the sight of thine eyes which thou shalt see. The Lord shall smite thee in the knees and in the legs with the sore botch that cannot be healed from the sole of thy foot unto the top of thy head. 
The Lord shall bring thee and thy king, which thou shalt set over thee, unto a nation which neither thou nor thy fathers have known. And there shalt thou serve other gods of wood and stone. And thou shalt become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword among all the nations, whither the Lord shall lead thee. Thou shalt carry much seed out into the field, and shalt gather but little in, for the locusts shall consume it. Thou shalt plant vineyards and dress them, but shalt neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes, for the worms shall eat them. Thou shalt have olive trees throughout all the coast, but thou shalt not anoint thyself with the oil, for thine olives shall cast his fruit. Thou shalt beget sons and daughters, but thou shalt not enjoy them, for they shall go into captivity. All thy trees and fruit of thy land shall the locusts consume. The stranger that is within thee shall get up above thee very high, and thou shalt come down very low. He shall lend to thee, and thou shalt not lend to him, and he shall be the head, and thou shalt be the tail. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee, and thou shalt pursue, and shall pursue thee and overtake thee until thou be destroyed, because thou did not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded thee. And they shall be upon thee for a sign and for a wonder, and upon thy seed forever. Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart, for the abundance of all things. Therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies, which the Lord shall send against thee, in hunger and in thirst, in nakedness and and in want of all things, and he shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck until he have destroyed thee. The Lord shall bring a nation against thee from far from the end of the earth, as swift as the eagle flieth, a nation whose tongue thou shalt not understand, a nation of fierce countenance, which shall not regard the person of old, nor show favor to the young. And he shall besiege thee in all thy gates until the high and fence walls come down, wherein thou trustest throughout all thy land. And he shall besiege thee in all thy gates throughout all thy land, which the Lord God hath given thee. And there is, you know, many, many more parts to the curses than there are the blessings. But um, for time's sake, we're not going to finish the chapter reading the the curses we're um instead we're going to turn and look at the the promise of a new covenant now i'm sure all of you know this but for those who don't um israel um and judah because the the kingdom of Israel was eventually uh, split into two kingdoms, the southern and the northern kingdom of Israel and Judah. And both kingdoms did not follow the covenant. They did not 
remain faithful to God. And because they did not do this, they received all of the curses that we read about here in Deuteronomy 28. Now, the nation, the northern kingdom of Israel, they were, uh, they were so, so, um, trying to think of the best word, they committed so much fornication uh, against God. And they were so corrupt and so wicked that God divorced them and scattered them amongst all the nations. However, with the kingdom of Judah, mainly in my opinion, and I think I can prove it from Scripture, because of the fact that the Messiah was going to come from the tribe of Judah and God did promise to restore his people if they would turn from their wicked ways and hearken back unto him which the southern kingdom did before while they were in captivity in Babylon but because Jesus was going to come from Judah and also because they were not as corrupt and wicked as Israel instead of divorcing them completely God just allowed the southern kingdom of Judah to be taken captive into Babylon where they stayed for 70 years and they eventually um, some of them although the majority of them stayed in Babylon came back into the the promised land and we're going to see in the book of Jeremiah right now that God prophesied a day when a new covenant would be made with both the house of Israel and the house of Judah. So we're running out of time here. I kind of wanted today's episode to be kept down to an hour. If I have to go over an hour, I will, but I really don't want to. So we're going to look really quickly at the promise of the new covenant. And then we're going to, to... look at what happened to the nation of Israel in the New Covenant. But first, we're going to go to the book of Jeremiah. The book of Jeremiah, chapter 30. Jeremiah, chapter 30, beginning in verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord God of Israel, saying, Write thee all the words that I have spoken unto thee in a book. For lo, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel and Judah, saith the Lord, and I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers. 
and they shall possess it. And these are the words that the Lord spake concerning Israel and concerning Judah. Now, let's see. Tomorrow, we're, we're going to do the rest of this study tomorrow. And I am going to cover this complete um, chapter here. The complete chapter of of Jeremiah 30 tomorrow. But today, for time's sake, we are... um, just going to read the part about the new covenant. I didn't realize it was going to be this late into the episode by the time I got to um, the new covenant in Jeremiah but um, I uh, actually have written down to read from Jeremiah chapter 30 to Jeremiah chapter 38 we were going to you know, cover all of those chapters and we just flat out don't have time to do that today so um, what we're going to do is uh, just read right now Jeremiah 31 31 and it says behold the days come saith the Lord that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah now this is important not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their inward parts or their hearts, and I will write it in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and remember their sin no more. Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for light by day, and the ordinance of the moon and the stars for light by night. Now, the important part here is that the new covenant that God prophesied he would give would not be the same as the old covenant. And he indicates the change here by saying the laws, instead of being 
the way they were in the Old Covenant, will instead be in their hearts. And this is something that we really see when we get to the book of Hebrews. Now, I think we're going to have time today to cover maybe two more um, parts to this, but we are now going to look at the New Covenant. First, we're going to look and we're going to see what Jesus says in Matthew 21 about the covenant and the people. So, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 21. We're going to begin with um, verse 43. And Jesus is speaking here. And he says, Therefore I say unto you, and he's talking to the, the religious leaders here, the, the priests, the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, He says, Therefore I say unto you, The kingdom of God shall be taken away from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. Now, in context here, Jesus had just given a parable, the parable of um, the, uh, let's see, I think it's the parable of the vineyard, um, the or the parable of the, the householder. Yeah, I think it's the parable of the vineyard, but it says... Here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and dig a wine press in it and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen. And he went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants, beat one and killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent more servants than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will certainly reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him, and cast him out of the vineyard, and they slew him. And when the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They then said unto him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men, and he will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their seasons. And Jesus said unto them, Did ye never read in the scripture the stone which the builders rejected? The same is become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And the reason for this 
is seen beginning in verse 45. It says, And when the chief priests and the Pharisees had heard this parable, they perceived that he spake of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude, because they took him for a prophet. So, what Jesus was telling them in this parable was literally the a parable of the story of God being the husbandman and the children of Israel being the the um the diff, the the workers the servants sorry the husbandman <laughs> I'm sorry guys, I'm tired this morning. The householder being God and the husbandmen being the children of Israel. And the way that God sent the children of Israel prophets and different men of God, you know, the first they had the the judges and then they had prophets that were sent to them all throughout the Old Testament and they did not hearken to them. They killed the prophets and eventually God sent his son to them. And what happened? They killed him too. And Jesus was telling a parable of what was going to happen here. Now I'm sure that many of you are hearing this and may be upset by what I said, but it's the truth. But the thing is that that didn't... Just because Jesus said that the kingdom of God was going to be taken from them and given to a nation who would produce the fruits thereof, um, that doesn't mean that no... Jews would be a part of this nation. See, I, I want to make it clear that what we're talking about today is not replacement in any way, shape, or form. What we are going to see here really soon um, when we get to uh, the book of John, when we look at what Jesus says to Nicodemus about being born again, we're going to see that in the New Covenant, it's about spiritual, the spiritual. The New Covenant is with the same nation, the same people as far as what they're called. They are the kingdom of Israel, the nation of Israel, whatever you want to call it, but it's no longer a physical nation, no longer a physical people. It is now a spiritual people, and it's now open to all people as long as they will accept Jesus Christ and be born. Once we are born again, 
into the kingdom of God, we are now a part. Once we accept Jesus Christ and are born again, then we are a new creation. We are a new creature. So it doesn't matter what we were originally born as because we are born again. And that is everyone, regardless to whether you were born originally Jewish or you were born a Gentile. Because once you're born again, the Bible and Jesus Christ teaches very clearly that you are now, just like his kingdom is not of this world, you are now a part of a kingdom and a nation and a people that are not of this world. It's not physical. It's not a part of this fallen world. It's spiritual. It's a part of the kingdom of heaven. We are literally citizens of New Jerusalem. And as a citizen of Jerusalem, we are a part of Israel. Tomorrow we are going to see what it means to be a Jew in the New Covenant. We are going to see who exactly are the heirs and seeds of Abraham who are able to take part of the promise that was made to Abraham in the New Covenant. Because people often point out that those promises um, didn't go anywhere. They still exist. And I agree. The only thing that changed is who is a part of the that promise. And, you know, I hope, I truly hope that you listened and understood everything that I said today as we dealt with the covenant itself. We dealt with why there was a covenant and what happened and what caused the need for God to choose a people to begin with and what was the reason that God chose the people what were they chosen for and also what did God promise that he would one day do promised that he would make a new covenant that would not be like the old covenant. So please tune in tomorrow so that you can see exactly what the new covenant nation of Israel looks like. Who are Jews in the New Covenant? Who can be Jews in the New Covenant? Who are the chosen people of God since 
he established the new covenant with his only begotten son with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, thank you for tuning in to Return of the Historic Faith. I hope that you will tune in again tomorrow as we finish this study into the New Covenant and the children of Israel. Until next time, for Kingdom Productions and Return of the Historic Faith, I am Pastor Jeremy Anderson saying God bless, grace, and peace.